Hey, you're looking to buy, sell, or invest real estate? I mean, you could do it yourself, or you could get a real estate agent. Well, I got the real estate agent for you. Her name is Diana Guzman. More than 15 years of experience, knowledgeable in Section 8, property management, finance, loan, name it. She probably knows it. She's a lion nest when it comes to real estate. Her model is simple. She doesn't BS. The goal is to get the deal done, and she gets the deal done. Done. And if she can't do it, she has a team and resources that could forward you to somebody who could get it done. Don't waste your time in getting a real estate agent that doesn't work for her commission. Get you someone who's willing to fight for you and represent you in the way you need it. Diana Guzman, the lioness of real estate. Contact her today, 201-233-7773 or email her at dianaguzmansellsnj at gmail.com. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Deal Talk. I'm Deal. Let's talk. My guest is coming all the way from Australia. You may have seen her on TikTok going viral on her Instagram. Uh, she talks about and educates the public on ACHD and autism. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome to Sam, Intense Motherhood. Thank you. Thank you. I am really excited for this. Um, I'm hoping to hopefully share some stuff that people haven't heard before. Not that anything I say is groundbreaking, but like my whole the reason I do everything I do is to try and educate people. So, so hopefully we can shed some light on some things that people didn't know about. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it because like most, we get most of our information and knowledge through books or articles or what, you know, doctors say word to mouth, but to actually meet somebody going it actual through it, you know, living it, uh, day by day is different than reading reading in a textbook or reading an article. Oh, 100%. For me, seeing other people sharing their lived experience was the thing that connected the dots for me. Because I was, like, especially with the ADHD, I was uneducated about it. I never would have thought that I had ADHD because I'm more what's called inattentive presenting. So I can sit still mm. for the most part, but my brain never stops. And it's not just like one conversation. It's like 15 different conversations and dialogues and mm. thought patterns going on all at once. And so I, before I educated myself, I thought ADHD was like, hyper little boys like so many people do who are uneducated yeah. but then when I started seeing these other lived experiences of women my age who are also inattentive presenting it was like oh my god this answers so many questions about my life that I didn't even know I had like they were just things that I thought were just my own little idiosyncrasies you know yeah 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 but really it's because of the ADHD, the ASD was something that I like long knew. So that wasn't so much a um, huge light bulb moment. But the two together also is a lot of the reason why I don't present with every single diagnostic criteria of each because some of my autism cancels out some of my ADHD and yeah, vice so versa. So like, it's like I have. It, it, yeah, go, go ahead. No, because uh, my son's autistic. He's six year old. Yes. And he has, um, uh, what was the correct name? It's like, I don't want to say minor, but light autism with HDAD, uh, uh, high sensitivity, uh, and non he's nonverbal at the moment. So yep. 
you know, you a lot of similarities with my son uh, and his diagnosed. Yeah. And that's what, so the thing we know through research is mm. there is, and this seems like a really wide span, but there's a 30 to 80% comorbidity, which means if you have one, you're likely to have the other 30 to 80% seems like a huge span. And it is, but I firmly believe it's because of ableism because mm. if someone is autistic and then they find out they're ADHD, that often to so many feels like no big deal. But if you're ADHD, because we have so much ableism around autism, people don't want to own that label. And so the self-reporting of if you're ADHD and you suspect or you find out that you're autistic, that's that I think is what brings down that 30%. But realistically, yeah. I think that that 80 percent that some research shows that's probably the more accurate one mm. what when did you find out you 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 were diagnosed with autism and ACAD so I had my like light bulb moment about a year and a half ago um with the ADHD ASD I have long long suspected um so I'm not formally diagnosed autistic because where I live in Australia I'm originally American I don't have my citizenship here yet and they have unfortunately like many countries Australia has policies around Mm. um immigrating if you have an autistic uh, autism diagnosis yeah yeah so I'm not going to broach that especially even my doctor suggested not to until after my citizenship is confirmed which Mm. is so awful because thank god I'm low support needs but if I were any higher support needs I would not be be able to yeah yeah I wouldn't be able to get any help because I'm so worried about being turned away from the country where I've lived for 10 years yeah wow like it's awful um, but the ADHD, I, I had that light bulb moment about a year and a half ago. And then it was only just in August that I decided to get a formal diagnosis. I went back and forth, but then I thought I do want to try medication. So that's why I decided to go and get a formal diagnosis with a psychiatrist. Got it. And what, what I find, what people think is crazy, it's normal that, you know, already when you're an adult, like it's normal that people find out they're, they're autistic or their ADHD, or, you know, other, uh, other uh, forms of diagnose already when they're older. Yeah. Because for common. so long, we were told, especially with ADHD, for so long, we were told you grow out of it. It's only like a thing that mm-hmm. kids have. Mm-hmm. That's something I told myself, I can't have this because like, I'm pretty sure only kids have it. Well, that's not true. It actually, it's your neurotype. It's how your brain is wired. And for a lot of us, the older we get, the more responsibly, responsibility we have, the more executive function that's required our ADHD symptoms get worse. Yeah. And as women with our hormone cycles, as you reach perimenopause, so kind of your early 40s, that can send ADHD symptoms way off the charts. And unfortunately, most doctors will dismiss you and just say, oh, you just need antidepressants. You just need, like, Mm. you're just a woman. This is just what you go through. This is just menopause. This is just perimenopause. Like, it's... It's pretty atrocious. No, it's really fucked up. That's what it is. And that happens in, and, and that's one of the reasons, like, I, when I go to the doctors and, and get my son, you know, his monthly checkup or whatnot, it's real challenging, but like, I refuse to put him on any uh, medication because if I look, look at the, the statistic, 
And we're like, you know, kids that grow with these medication, they live a long life and, and, and slowly become almost addicts or numb or like they're just not in tune with the world. They're always like walking around with zombies. Yeah, well, it can it can help. And the studies have shown because a lot of the rhetoric around probably when we were kids. So I'm 36. It was if you put your kid on these stimulant medications, it's going to make them an addict to like they almost treated it like a gateway drug. Like your kid's going to be a heroin addict when they're 20. But luckily they've done research and the current research shows that it's less likely. So if you help kids treat their ADHD symptoms, they're less likely to become substance abuse users later like manage in life. It, help them assist them managing yeah. it and yeah you know supervise. and it goes the well, other way yeah yeah like yeah. if the kids who are undiagnosed or untreated tend to have more or higher rates of substance abuse when they're older like i've seen that with several members of my family of the lack of balance they were they were undiagnosed and so they're self-medicating with the substances you don't want them to use I mean, I don't think we should be medicating like every single kid. It absolutely yeah, has to yeah. be on a case by case. And like in your son's case and in my case, if you have both, if you're autistic and ADHD, if you medicate the ADHD, because unfortunately we don't have any medication for autism, what happens is sometimes, yes, that helps the ADHD symptoms appear less, like they, mm. they're more managed. But sometimes then that makes the autistic symptoms more prevalent so since i've started medication and i'm still not on it i'm on like a baby dose like mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm still not nearly as high as most people but i've noticed like some of my sensory issues have become much more prevalent um my especially my sound mm, sensitivity mm, is yeah so much more that like sensitive since i started medication so it helps on one side, but then on the other side, it's like another bag of things that I need to figure yeah, out how not, to deal it's with. It's not even and now. It's not keeping a balance in where yeah. like it helps you in this case, but in the other one, it, it tends to just, you know, almost put you almost jittery in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And like if your son's nonverbal, mm-hmm. that would probably be very hard for him to communicate if he's starting to get overstimulated by certain noise or certain things i'm sure you know his triggers but like yeah we're, gets, we're all it, figuring it, it, it gets scary. things out all the time yeah it gets scary because you see him majority of his frustration is that he's unable to uh communicate tell him what he's feeling what he's going through what's bothering him so you gotta almost be you know become a detective and where you got to yeah. figure it out and all right, is this and this and this, you know, we're doing the PEC system, which it, at home, it's not much a success because at home he's like very hands-on or he'll do it himself. But in school, it, it's, you know, that's what they use majority of the time to communicate, which, you know, it's semi-successful. But yet again, it's, it's, it's frustrating for him. Yeah, because you probably get this all the time most people's misconception is that if they're nonverbal, it means that they're just, um, they're not thinking it, but oftentimes they're thinking it and they get frustrated because they are nonverbal. They yeah. can't communicate that as easily as you and me can communicate yeah. it. Yeah. So just yeah. because he's nonverbal doesn't mean he's not thinking. I agree 100%. Um, I, I recently started doing some research and we're like, 
ACAD, ACAD can affect your memory. Have you had problems with that? Like, because you're so like, you're, you're, and I'm going to do the best to uh, describe what I, what I read, right? And like, where you're so like, you know, looking left, everything is, it's, it's gets your focus and where your, your, your memory is short term. And we're, all right, there's a TV here. I'm watching something. Oh, there's a light here. Oh, you know, like, does that affect you in a way? Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> um, I, so on one hand, that's where my autism helps cancel mm. out the ADHD because things that you'll often see like reels or TikToks or whatever about people losing their keys in their phone. I've never done that because I mm. have meticulous systems about the keys go in this so you walk in the door you put the keys here like that's just the system in my head but I forget things that are um I notice if they're out of routine so like this is a weird example but um I have some like hand-me-down clothes that I'm giving to a friend that has a smaller child and for like three days I meant to take it to the place and I was going to this place every day but it wasn't part of my normal, like, Routine. get my purse, get the diaper yeah. bag, get the, I put it in the car, I would forget it in the car, I would drive in the driveway and be like, oh, it's still sitting. <laughs> so little things like that, where it's out of routine. And like names, like I can't remember. And it gets to the point where I, it's like, oh my god, this is like the fifth person I've seen, or the fifth time I've seen this person. And it's now that awkward point where I can't say, oh, sorry, I'm so bad with names. Like, at some point, they're just going to go, okay, you're just not making an effort. It's like, it's not that I'm not making an effort. I just legitimately, like, can't. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Very normal, yeah. (laughs) I just can't. But yeah, like, things that are out of routine for me. And I have to write everything down. So I use my, like... um, I have an iPhone. So I use my Siri constantly, especially if I'm driving because I can do hands-free. I'll just be like, Siri, set a reminder to do blah, blah, blah at blah, blah, blah. And that's how I keep on track. So I guess in that way, I bit use technology to my advantage. Like if I'm home, I use our little, I don't know, Hey Google thing. (laughs) I'm constantly writing stuff down to try and remember. I'll have sticky notes all over like, yeah yeah <laughs> what is like what is one of the things that like doing doing your your own research and educate yourself like you know it's ironic and where like you learn more about yourself doing your own education than what an actual doctor gives you yeah they'll just give you like hey you're this but it's like okay what does this mean it's like you almost got to find your way in what what you're being diagnosed to understand because the little information they give you and then they'll give you plan uh, pamphlets and it's so briefly what they say but it doesn't really go mm-hmm. diving deep like so what what is one of the common things or things that you find out that's like oh my god this is happening all my life this is what i finally have like how was that moment or, or what is one of those common things you go through that you realize oh my god um there's so many like when because the ADHD for me was a big thing because the autism like I said I've known and I've said for a long time like I'm just too particular about certain things and I have sensory like that part 
I guess to me had made sense in my head because I had like reckoned with it for so long for years and years and years like since high school I've suspected that I was on the spectrum um but the ADHD was my big like oh my god so oh god everything like I can't get anything done unless there's a pressing deadline not just a deadline if you tell me it's due in three months I'll be like sweet I will do it in two months and 30 days but if there's a pressing deadline and um the overstimulation for me like Mm. my brain which I for my whole life was just told was anxiety like Mm. it was just always written off as anxiety and then what I now know was burnout so going through a cycle of burnout and then feeling better and then going back into burnout all of those were always just written off as oh you have depression but I'm like but I'm not sad I'm just like tired but tired's not even the right word like it's like it's like antsy you're antsy like it's so much going on yeah I would just be like that that paralysis that you sometimes see in people's videos that would be I'm like I'm not you know I never had um suicidal ideations when I was depressed I never had where I was just like sad or crying all the time I just felt numb and and like like, literally I would be like glued to the couch for days on end and and sitting there beating myself up like come on just get up just go do something you know the things you need to do but I couldn't muster you know the motivation to get myself up so that made sense with the ADHD um and a lot of just that like having constant talk in my head um the what some people think of as like flightiness with my memory like all through school I was a decent enough student like this sounds so I don't know how to say it without sounding egotistical like I was smart enough to get by without doing much and getting Mm. decent enough grades but it was always that like not applying yourself, not reaching your full potential, you know, say like with homework, I would mean to do it as I was sitting there in class and I would walk out of the room and go about my life. And it wasn't until I walked back in the room that I go, oh my God, I had like that paper that was due. And it just, so that's a big memory thing of we have to really, really try to commit certain things to memory like that, the short term, the working memory um so that's when I would use sticky notes and reminders and you know all the rest of it because otherwise as soon as I leave that space I forget and it's not until I walk back in that space I remember if that makes sense no yeah and that would that would happen with work projects and everything else like it was part of the reason the last job I had I I burnt myself out because I was so afraid of messing up. I was so afraid of forgetting things. And I had so much responsibility that I never turned work off. I would be the person on email on evenings and weekends because I was so afraid of messing up because I knew I would forget something important if I didn't just constantly keep in that little hamster wheel. No, I I, I get it. It happened, uh, happened to me several times um before i started doing this and but for me it was like the fear of people talking down to me or talking a a certain way towards me and i would find myself in these like uh it's like how do i explain it and where 
my mind was racing with five different things. Oh, I got to get this done. 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 You know, I'm, you know, I'm here sleeping next to my wife and I'm on phone checking, reviewing and, you know, mentally burying myself out yeah. because I, 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 you know, I would be damned if, if, if I was, I, I was made feel like I did something wrong or I lacked a certain thing. And uh, it took a toll on me like heavily, heavily, heavily. So I, I get 100% what you're saying. Yeah. And like to not get too therapy about it, but there is probably an aspect of childhood in that, right? Like as a kid, I was told I could do anything, but then I was held on such high standards that like I I knew I had to meet that. Also, mm. there's like a lot of people pleasing and social conditioning in that. But like as a kid for me, my biggest punishment was never like, I got spanked, I got grounded, I got sent to the corner, all that stuff. I'll take it all day long. If my parents said to me, I'm disappointed in you, oh. that would be like, oh, that was heartbreaking. Oh, I just die. I die. And so my whole childhood, and then that led to like adulthood, was just trying to not disappoint people. See, for me, it was like I, I grew up in Puerto Rico and where like, I grew a majority of the streets. So I grew up my grandparents and, you know, people in the street tend to talk to you crazy. And then, mm. you know, you had teachers or, or friends, parents, or people that didn't know you because you, you were this kid who was rough around the edges. They grew up in the street that, you know, they'll try to discourage you. And that was like uh, something very, uh, demeaning to me because a lot of people will try to demean me so now I move over here and work in jobs and I see all these people the way they talk they like to push their uh um their their power as one would say right because they're the boss and, and and quickly uh uh threaten you you're gonna lose your job or you don't do this and you don't not and it and me holding back for so many years like slowly uh started like to deteriorate the 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 wall I had of patience for people, and I just start coming at them, and you know when I had these high paying jobs and high responsibility, it was just at a certain point I was just like it, I was snap because it was just too much, you know. So I uh, I totally get it. Yeah, because a lot of it's just that everyone's always doubted you. You want to prove people wrong yes yes it's yes. like i am going to do everything to show you i can do everything you say i can't do no yep. and then you you prove them wrong and this is what like i've learned and we're like you know life is never is it is never complete or life is always incomplete and we're like you could prove them wrong but it you know it's like never enough so you yep. know you gotta learn yep. and, and you gotta build yourself up and understand you learn about you love you uh and start building a life and where what makes you happy. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just constantly chasing that next thing and you're not savoring what you have in the moment. Yes. It's yes. just that constant like next thing's going to be better, but the next thing isn't better because then you're just looking at the thing mm -hmm. after that. Mm -hmm. And I actually, it's funny, I was going to post something because I'm like this and my partner's like this and we have similar but different upbringings. Neither of us come from very much money at all like that's putting it nicely um but we're both very much the same and I for a long time have tried to learn how to just be content with like how we are like it's a very materialistic thing but like the example is like 
my partner is always like, we need to get a bigger house. We need to move. We need to like go to a different, you know, like wanting the next big better. And I'm, I'm the one pulling the reins back and saying like, but, but let's just kind of learn how to, cause I'm usually I'm right there with him, but I'm trying to learn how to say like, like let's, let's ease back. And I wonder, it's probably a bit of everything, but I wonder if it is an ADHD thing. Like if it's more common in ADHD, in ADHD people, because that's a dopamine rush, right? Like yeah, yeah, buying yeah. the next big thing is like a ding, 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 in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I I definitely think it, there's some like from growing up without very much money, you just want to prove you're doing well type yeah, thing. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's 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 a combination of a lot of things, because once you like it's like once you focus your goal, you're on to the next. You know, you're like it's like what ACAD is. Right. So like, you know, that's something I, I I'm in recent years, I'm trying to take a step back. Because what happens with that, like your HHD just focus on this certain goal. And because you want to get there, you're you're making a decision out of desperation. And we're now yeah. in, in, in my life, I try to establish and we're live between my means. Like you don't have to be wealthy uh, to have a good life. You know, just yeah. have a good life. Have a good life. You know, I, I, was, I was speaking to my friend and he wanted to buy this big house. And I was telling him like, you know, the, 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 the more, the bigger they are, the emptier they get, you know, and you got to like, mm-hmm. try to find a way where, yeah, er- everyone needs to have money. You need to have savings in the bank, but because you you want these goals and materialistic, whatever, what the world promotes, like, is that's, it's like having a job. It slowly burns you out as well. And now you're making decisions yeah. that you shouldn't have. And it puts you in a back, uh, in a back seat, which you all, you always want to be in the front seat in a sense. So exactly. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a combination of a lot. You just got to try to balance it out and do the best that you can. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely to the point where in my mid thirties, I am trying to learn how to be content and to stop chasing the dopamine rush for certain mm-hmm. things and to, and to almost find the dopamine rush in the smaller things like it doesn't have to be a new house or a new car. Can it simply be like going and making the garden pretty, you know, like really simple little things that have more than just the material benefit, you know, then, so that garden example, I'm outside, I'm playing in dirt and nature and I'm getting fresh air and I'm doing something physical. Like it has so many additional benefits more than just the, you know, slot machine, ding, ding, ding. I get it. I get it. I that don't that dopamine rush that did you describe about I I changed it and channeled it to things I want to learn. Like mm. that rush, like I started doing jujitsu, got my blue belt. I I I did a whole 360 and where I went from you know op- running operations and company to becoming a journalist. Why? Because I started like learning new things and educating myself on new things and understanding new things. And like, when I learned something new, like, I'm like, you know, fuck, you know, like have that success. It is like a high. Yeah. And we're like, I, I, I knew this all along, but I just needed to confirm, you know, or, you know, go off for, for a run or, or lift some weights or do something. And we're, 
my mind and body is being worn out to, to a point of satisfaction. But that's the key because mm -hmm. you could be grinding and hustling in some job that doesn't really mean anything for some people that don't really care and your mind and body's worn out. Or you could be putting all of that effort and energy into something where your mind and body are going to be worn out, but you are going to feel so gratified from it. Yes, like it is going yes. to fill your cup so much way more than the grind and the hustle ever could. Yeah. Uh, 100%. You, I saw one of your TikToks, I think uh, one of the first ones you started producing and where like you were talking about jobs, right? And where you're ace, like, can you, can you give me a little bit of description uh, on what you were going through when you did that video and educating the public? Cause like I had, yeah. I, I'm only, I'm only 34. I've, I've tell you, I've had counting in one hand is not enough to tell you how many jobs I had because it's like, I, I reached that, that, that point of climax and I'm like, okay, what's next? Like you were describing yeah. earlier and all right, I need, I need to, you know, find something better. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm 36 and uh, let's say up until 30, 30, 32, I have had, oh God, I can't even count. Let's say 10 different jobs at least in like five different careers. Not just because a lot of people, especially um, I know boomers complain about it, but millennials tend to like job switch often. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's how the system's made. That's often how you get promotions and stuff. But mine wasn't job switching to get a promotion. Mine was job switching to like completely change my life. Like mm. <laughs> I went from... I was quite fortunate straight out of high school. I got, I got a job with an NFL team. So wow. I was working in their front office. I worked there for two years. I then switched to a, um, a sustainability company that was like trying to do a, a green development. <laughs> I then threw my hands up and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I went just to, oh, I did like MMA journalism for a while. I, nice. uh, I have done hospitality. So like bartending, serving for on and off through all of that for ages. Um, my last like quote unquote professional job was working in design and construction of like cafes and bars and restaurants. So I've... <laughs> not only had several different jobs, but like such a variety of careers. And that's another thing where I'm like, oh yeah, the ADHD makes sense now <laughs> because it would be that. And, and I, it, it would seem to the outside really impulsive. And it was because um, I would seemingly just go like well, I don't want to do this job anymore I'm going to switch it and that's kind of how it would be in my head but in my head I would be feeling this build up for like a couple of months and I would be telling myself like stop you just did that like a year ago or a couple of years ago like we got to stay on this path because this is what we've decided we're doing and then eventually it gets, gets to the point where my brain's like no I can't do it anymore and I just throw my hands up and I can't do it and I you, have to switch. You just describe how I felt every time I walked out of a job. You literally describe where I, you, it feels like 
you have no choice and you're trapped. Like for me, oh, like yeah. I, I, for me, I felt every time, like I, I, I'm, I'm negotiating to do this uh, radio show, right? For this up and coming, uh, new rate internet radio platform. And, you know, sitting in, in the training and, and, you know, orientation and I'm in my house, I'm in my office and I'm on just on the phone hearing them. And like, I, I just be, had this anxiety within me and, it, and it's like uh, uh post-traumatic stress disorder and like, oh my God, me trying to deal with people, me, me trying to uh, 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 work and within the confines of their, their structure. And you're just like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, I can't be trapped. I can't be trapped. You know, so like yeah. I, I get it. I get it. See, I feel like that right now. <laughs> Just remembering it. It's very much. Have you ever seen what's it called? The Good Guys with um Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. The other guys. Oh, the other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, Mark Wahlberg's like, I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. I'm a yeah. peacock. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. One hundred percent. Essentially, it's that. Like, we just don't want to be trapped in this little box. Which is also why people with ADHD make amazing entrepreneurs because we creative problem solve differently, mm-hmm. and we like working within our own structures. I will, I will say, from my experience, this is not everyone because people have different interests but um I had a business I've had several businesses but our last business I own like a movement studio so we did like mobility and yoga and breath work um the creative side of it I was like fantastic at the business side of it that's probably why we don't have business anymore I mean that it's it's because business, everything is uh, the business side is everything structural. The the numbers, the money, the way you move, and at times and it's it so just boring. Gets, yes, it gets so overwhelming. Overwhelming. That's like you got to decide if you want to be investor or a business owner. Like I want to build myself up and become an investor because I can, you know, I have different things I want to do. I want to try. I want to experience. Being just, you know, I had a printing, uh, clothing, uh, printing business, which felt awfully because the business side of it is so, it's, it's so, uh, dealing with trying to sell somebody to somebody for me is difficult. I don't want to, I don't, I can't sit there and trying to convince you of something that I knew that if I knew, like, I don't want to be convincing. I want to try because I want to try, or I'm, you know, it's something that represents myself within, and I'm definitely invested in. Uh, I guess it's just a, a, a moral thing within me, but I is it's boring. No, I'm the same. My that last professional, the design and build job, an aspect. I ended up working like almost every position at the company because the owner was like, "You're really good, but I just don't know where to fit you." So I just kept doing different things. Because I was an asset in some ways, and then in some ways I was a liability. The way that I was a liability is because when it came to sales, I was like, they either want it or they don't. I'm not going to sit here and convince somebody. Yeah, very white and black. Yeah, and I didn't feel like, also there was a moral thing of like, you mark stuff up. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. well, that's not right. I I don't want to rip people off. And he's like, it's just us making profit. And I'm like, but I same see it thing. as ripping people off. Same, this happens to me. I, the same thing you you describe. It's what happens to me. 
I can't, yeah. you know, now if I'm investing in something and I look at the profits, well, I want this amount, but it's different when you're trying to sell something to somebody that you probably yeah. really can't afford and you're trying to, you know, um, live from it. I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a good salesperson, but I never yeah, set I'm myself to be one either. <laughs> so I get it. I'm it, like, it's, it's hard. If, if they want it, they want it. And if they don't, then like, meh. <laughs> I tell my my wife she's a real estate agent she often wants me like she, she she wants me to work as a as an agent I'm like just pay me to do stuff you need you mean you need me to put signs in these places you need something to pick up you need me to something to build something you 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 need help on your internet creating a newsletter or advertising put me to do that me yeah. me talking to somebody on the phone for hours trying to convince them you should invest here you should invest there or this house is for you because this works between you and me. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't, yeah. I can't, it doesn't work for me. I can't do that. You know? So the, can I ask, you yeah. know, your son is autistic. Yes. Do either your, you or your wife know or think that your neurodivergent in any way, autistic ADHD, anything? Uh, I think she, she suspects the same as I, um, I wasn't that different, uh, from my son growing up like I I had trouble pronouncing words and whatnot and, and it could be that or it could just because I grew up with Spanish and English heavily you know you've Spanish, always had both yeah but you know Spanish for some reason came very easy for me from writing and 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 reading and speaking than English because English have you know words or letters that doesn't even go you know in the word yeah. So you know, just for in Spanish, everything for me went very easy uh, growing up. Uh, but that could be the, why I had so much speech, you know. And then as I got older, went to puberty, my voice changed. That made it even more difficult. Um, I have an uncle from my father's side who's autistic. Uh, I have a uh, I want to say he's eleven, eleven, twelve, thirteen uh, nephew uh, that's autistic as well. So it's very, very common uh, within my families. I suspect that uh, other members have either uh, autism or ACAD, but they just, you know, not, there's an individual who doesn't care about those things. They're just, you know, but um, yeah. Well, and for so long, there's so, so much stigma that people, you would only know, like I assume with your uncle, he would probably be a bit higher support needs if you know that he's autistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, he... for older generations, yeah, a yeah. lot of the time for older generations, you don't know unless they are. Because like me, I'm quite low support needs. I'm also mm -hmm. highly masking. So I taught myself through growing up how to hide a lot of my stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you wouldn't, like I have people say, well, you appear very neurotypical. And I'm like, that's like literally the point. It's a survival mechanism. Like, yeah, yeah. I have to appear that way. <laughs> yeah. And, and you yeah. know what's crazy? Going through my research, there's a lot of people that confuse autism with Down syndrome. Like, oh my god there's facebook ads that are dedicated for children uh with autism but their their spokesperson is down syndrome and but they let letter i later learn and we're like autism comes in combinations like you have children with ACHD, you have children autism and asperger's you know it's a combination of stuff but uh my son you look at my son he looks like a normal kid they they expected him to be like yeah. 
but he looks normal, like his face or, or you know, resembling almost a child of uh, uh, Down syndrome. And I think that's kind of effed up, you know, that you're already assuming that's what's that, you know, it's so many different levels. And I, that's just the lack of understanding and, and um, you know, the knowledge that's out there. Absolutely. Like we, unfortunately, the public as a greater kind of whole is so poorly educated about most things neurodivergent so down syndrome falls under that neurodivergent umbrella but it is something completely different than autism than adhd but the general public is so ill-informed about how these things present Mm -hmm. that it's it's i don't know it's a shame because it also then leads to i get these comments sometimes on like my different videos and it I now just ignore them or sometimes I feel like being a troll back, but like, Oh, you don't, you don't look autistic. You don't look, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, there is no look to it. We just, it's the way our brain is wired. There is no look to it though. I can line 30 people up and you could not pick out if they're just standing there, you could not pick out who was autistic, who was ADHD. Like there is no look like if it was, then probably there wouldn't be so many of us who have gone our whole lives not being diagnosed. Like it's unfortunately not that easy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and we don't that's, have this marker. Yeah. That's, I find that, you know, like, and that even, that sounds, that's like, that, that sounds so offensive because that means oh like, my God, yeah. like if you know, you have to be, you have to look like a down syndrome and that's a different, that's a different type of disability. And that's, each one deserves their own respect and sympathy. And I think people categorizing and judging, like, you know, it's like depression. Like just because somebody is smiling at you, the first thing they'll say, oh, he doesn't look depressed. Why is he sad? Why did he commit suicide? Like it's, you know, unfortunately the lack of awareness and, and, you know, people give me crap because I say it's just, people don't care. People don't care. People the, the values and morals and values in and, and today's society and people give me grief of it has changed. It's more important making money and buying your next investment and pro- like here in the States is more important buying your next property. How are you going to flip it? How are you going to make it or get a profit or get a side hustle? Everything is, is producing money, but it's what I find it. Uh, I, what I find it insane is that that's you go on social media, YouTube, whatever is promoting making money but we're we're in a uh what what is that word oh my god i just had it in the tip of my tongue um uh we're in a depression yeah we're in a depression where yep. everything is it's a inflated you know er, everyone is struggling it, it doesn't matter if they say they're not you know everyone is struggling struggling oh absolutely and like so my family is all still back in the states and my parents my mom is on my mom and my stepdad are on a fixed income. So she's telling me how much their grocery bills have gone up every month, Mm -hmm. how much, like all of these different things. And it's like, it's happened here too. Like our groceries have gone, I can't even believe how much. Every time I go, I'm like, wait, how much is it? But in the States, and I think part of it's to do with the the population size because Mm -hmm. God, any Australian listening to this is going to hate me, but like Australia is like a small America as far as like culturally, it's very similar. So it is still the same, like about 
mm-hmm. you know, bigger, better money here. But America is like 11 times the size population wise. So it's very much the same here is there, but more exacerbated there. But the we've, we've created more theoretically wealth for ourselves, money, but we have, it's to the detriment of culture and society. Part of it also is we no longer have multi-generational households. Like, yes, maybe some mm-hmm. people do, but it's less common than common. Also, we move away from our families. Like, I, yes, I chose to move to the other side of the world, but we nah, have no you, family you, support you, here. You gotta, you have to take a boat, <laughs> a plane to get to yeah. where we're at. Like, we have no family support here. And I think of even, and that's in one generation, because when I grew up, my grandparents were you know, within 20, 30 minutes away. I saw my grandparents all the time. They were so heavily involved with us. And I think like for us, me and my partner, the only time we get a break, right? That sounds awful, but you know how it goes. Like yeah, having a child, break. Yeah. It, like, you, need, you need to take a deep breath. It is hard. Yes. Yeah. But we, we, the only way we get that is if we pay for a babysitter. So we've, we've created this culture and I'm part of that, of course, where we're more isolated, which especially when like, I know it happens to fathers too, but I speak to my perspective as a woman in motherhood, mm-hmm. early motherhood, especially is, oh my God, it's so isolating. It's so lonely yes. because you're going through all, especially first time mom, you're going through all of these changes physically, mentally, hormonally, Jesus. No, and and this is how you fall into postpartum of- depression. As well, because Absolutely. you're so isolated and vulnerable. Yeah, your you're body, so isolated. Your your body just went through a transition. Uh, no support. You're healing. You're you're healing physically mm-hmm. and mentally. You know, so my you know my wife. You know, I, I I commend my wife. She when she had our son, she went through a lot. She went through a lot. It's so I get what you're saying. It's so isolating, and that's just like on a micro, you know, zooming in, but as a culture we're so isolated if you look at older people in our culture like in in areas where there are still multi-generational and they have they're living healthier longer they don't have retirement homes they have grandpa goes and moves in with the younger family and the younger mm-hmm. family takes care of them there's pros and cons to that of course because then that's like you know someone else to take care of for my age people but yeah yeah it's we have created this silo culture where we're also isolated. And then, like you said, people don't care to educate themselves unless it directly affects them. Like, okay, unless you have, let's say, a child with autism, people don't go out and go, you know what, I'm going to teach myself about autism today. Yeah. Until they have to. And then you you have to actually find individuals who, who have children with autism, family with autism, who are, you know, firsthand living with it to to find understanding to find support oh yeah you know like um i first realized it when i started doing jujitsu. i think it was two years and where every time like every friday there was always invited me out and i got like this reputation and we're like oh he never wants to go out he never wants to do this and you're like if you know one day i was like yeah i got a special need kid at home and first, I'd rather spend time with my kid than you. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. I'll say that to anybody. But it's like, 
I've told you n- numerous of times why. Uh, and sometimes I wouldn't even seek validation or understand me. It's just a statement I'm telling you. And mm-hmm. that showed me and we're like, and I'm, and this, these are people my same age and where the only thing they have is a car, credit card, uh, credit card debt. They have no kids. They're, they're uh, in their thirties going to be married, right? Having that 30, building that their life up. I'm already, I've been married at that time. What? Seven years already. Already had a child. So like that, that gave me, uh, a very impression because people my age that you just don't care. I could say it 20 million times. It's like, if it's not happening to you, you're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Unless for some reason, you know, it, it has to affect someone in some way, whether it affects their job, whether it affects, you know, whatever it's people don't just bend over backwards to try and understand someone else's situation. Unfortunately. Yeah, correct. And this is where like, I just, I stopped trying to uh, educate or, or feel like I'm pushing people as autism. No, it's, it, 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 you're either in or you're out. And, you know, I do my, you know, I have my interviews with other individuals who have experience with autism and whoever watches the show get, gets to educate themselves. Like I had this lady, I think somewhere in Africa, I think it's episode 33 and where. Uh, she was telling me her experience with autism and we're like when she was a kid there were children now that she's older she realizes that kid had autism but they treated those kids as they were cursed and then would lock them in the basement and, and treat them like if they were possessed or something and you know doing her research because she uh she started on pro- on non-profit and educating herself like she has had autism mm-hmm. that's so it crazy. is funny once you learn i look back because I'm from like a rural, I'm from Idaho originally. So it's like very rural, very conservative. And I look back now and I can like pick out the kids like, oh yeah, he was autistic. Yeah. Oh, that kid had 80. Like once you learn more about it and you educate mm-hmm. yourself, but at the time you're just going through, you know, it's like, oh yeah, he's just obsessed with dinosaurs. Like knew every single type of dinosaur ever, ever. And what period they were from and it's like no that's that's not just a normal developmental thing that child children go through but people they just don't yeah they don't educate themselves it's it's I keep thinking about you were saying with your speech between Spanish and English and so my daughter we suspect is ADHD she's two and a half so you can't do assessments till they're six but like it's again that thing like when you know the signs you know Mm -hmm. the signs and she's Mm -hmm. she is very ADHD but she has been of course so many parents say that she has been my biggest teacher with so many things and speech has been one of them so I took Spanish in school for like four years I should be way more fluent than I am (laughs) but I am not I am not but part of what I always struggled with was sentence structure because sentence structure in Spanish is different than English right yeah what I have noticed though with her learning how to talk when you first learn how to talk this is like an English speaking kid she her sentence structure is more like Spanish Mm. so I've been doing like brushing up on my Spanish just keep my brain engaged somehow and you would say like uh, um like 
you say the no before the thing. So like, no es bueno, like not good. is good. Yeah. Yeah. And for her, she's and like English speakers, when they learn how to talk, they say it more like a Spanish structure. Mm. So they say like, no have bottle. No, you know, like mm -hmm. they say it more like Spanish. So it's interesting to me that you struggled with those because probably your head was more stuck in the Spanish sentence yeah. structure. I always say that because uh, in Spanish, everything's like right, A, E, O, you know, those letters. Oh, yeah. All so, the vowels. Yeah. Yeah. The vowels. There you go. Right. And when you say something in Spanish, uh, you put arroz, rice. This, exactly how you, you're hearing it is exactly how it's written. So it's A-R-R-O. Arroz. Yeah. A-R-R-O. Right? Arroz, yeah. rice. So in English, it's not like that. In English, like, you can say a word, but it's not written how you're saying it. Yeah. Half the word might be silent or... Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's like the Django. Uh, the D is silent. Right? So like... <laughs> Um, so in Spanish, everything was, it was so, um, easy for me because exactly how I said it, it was, it was exactly how it was written down. And that just, for me, it just made sense. Yeah. It, I, I do think it is one of those things that like, whether it, if it just clicks, it, it clicks, you yeah. know, and if it just makes sense in your brain, it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. In your brain. Yeah. I, I, I agree 100%. So, so what's next? What are you trying to do? What you're uh, sharing your awareness of your journey and whatnot. Yeah. So at first, um, I just wanted to share. Like, I I learned so much through seeing other people's lived experience. Um, and once I started connecting the dots, and I had that light bulb moment of like, oh my god, like, like actually ADHD in women is so much different looking and autism in wisdom in women is so different looking. Not that, I don't know. There's this saying that keeps going around lately, right. Of like, if you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person because we all present mm -hmm. so differently mm -hmm. and people try and like, um, downplay like, Oh no, my nephew is autistic and you're not anything like him. And it's like, yes, because I am not oh, like a little God, 10 year old I, little I, boy. I like, yeah. Yeah, but people just, it's that they don't educate themselves. They don't know, right? But once I started educating myself, it started first with self-educating and then self-advocacy, like going to my doctors and saying, hey, I think that I am this. And like, here's the reason why. And then, I don't know, maybe because I have ADHD and I'm an oversharer. It was this like literal compulsion of like, I need to share this with other people. I need to put what I'm going through out there because for so long, I felt so alone. Like, yes, in early motherhood. And I put out a video the other day trying to talk about the difference between postpartum depression, and anxiety and ADHD. So for me, I was being treated for postpartum depression and anxiety, not with medication because I... um I don't have great experience with antidepressants, mm. but I was doing group therapy. I was doing seeing a psychologist. I was doing counseling, like all of those things. And I saw these women around me seemingly getting better, like coping and dealing better. And for me, the older my daughter got, mm. the worse all of my symptoms got. And that's when that ADHD clicked. I was like, oh yeah, this is why, because now 
my demand on my executive functioning and memory and everything else has gone so much higher than before I had a kid. And I didn't have the time to do all of my coping mechanisms. Whereas in the past, before her, when I was starting to feel run down, I would just take a day and watch Netflix all day and chill out on the couch and like do nothing. Well, when you have a baby, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Add in not sleeping very well, like the height of my where I was having meltdowns almost every day, where I was having outbursts. So like I have really poor emotional regulation, which is another both ADHD and autistic thing double bingo there and I was having outbursts so my partner would come home from work and I would just be like and he's like whoa what is going on because I I just couldn't regulate myself I still struggle with it but it's getting better but the height when all of that was at its peak was also when my daughter was sleeping her absolute worst so she was waking like every 20 to 60 minutes all night long the, so i so never was, was going sleep deprivation sleep deprivation yeah so sleep is like so paramount for neurodivergent people like for everyone yes of course but especially for neurodivergent people and i say trying to break the two apart and it's hard because right when you have adhd and autism they're so intertwined but for me for my autism when i sleep all of that sensory stuff gets smoothed down and i kind of like reset on that way and on the ADHD side, when I sleep, like the emotional regulation levels out because obviously you're asleep, your nervous system calms down. Um, my memory kind of like saves what it needs to, blanks what it doesn't need to. And um, that executive functioning, like the, the, so that lives in the front, the prefrontal cortex, all of that just gets a chance to like come back to baseline, mm -hmm. which is why sleep is so paramount for us but when we're not getting good sleep when we're not getting quality sleep those things never have the chance to reset so you're going day after day after day never coming back to baseline you are always revved up and revved up and revved up and it gets worse and worse and worse to the point which like me I was having meltdowns every single day having really big emotional outbursts um and on top of that, just sitting there mentally beating myself up all day because I couldn't take care of my kid and do the dishes. That's like a whole, like, I think also social conditioning of what bullshit moms are supposed to do. But it all <laughs> added to yeah. me, you know, like losing my mind. But yeah, I was being treated for postpartum depression and anxiety and it wasn't getting any better until I then started first realizing that I was ADHD, so autistic ADHD, and then treating myself that way. So cutting myself some slack, working within my capacity and knowing that that capacity changes. So as a woman, I have a monthly cycle. That means my hormones change. And with the hormonal changes and, and energy levels and everything else, your capacity changes. So on Wednesday next week, I'm not going to be able to do the same thing that I did Wednesday this week. Yeah. Like it is all so different, which is why I think it's really important for people. I get so many people saying like, I don't know if I want to diagnose this or the wait times are so long in certain parts, or they live somewhere where there's no one who can do a diagnosis. And I say like medication can be great for ADHD, 
But the first and most important thing is just start treating yourself. If you really do believe that you're ADHD or you're autistic or whatever type of neurodivergent, start treating yourself that way. Make accommodations where you can. Start working within your capacities. Start trying to understand your triggers and your sensory profile. That's a really big one. Yeah, I, you know, when I feel uh, overwhelmed, uh, I, I, I tend to Google, you know, what it, what am I feeling? <laughs> this is how I, I, I began to, you know, my wife, if you ask my wife, she's always telling me this, but like, into I was able to accept it and we're like I googled like what do I feel this at work why do I get this and understanding myself better um that always helps too you know yeah. googling what you're feeling uh mm -hmm. and helps you you know not come up with a diagnosis but help you come up with a solution to help whatever you're feeling if you're if you're breathing try taking deep breath you know something in that nature uh and you'll go you know uh you'll go forward more than you know, what you're doing regularly, because the truth is, you know, you try to get yourself a diagnosed doctors are going to look at you just like you're just trying to get excuse to get SSI or, you know, to get out of work. And, and essentially, that's not the case. You're just trying to help yourself as a person, because we all go through some shit like this. Life is very um it's, it's very hard. You know, the, the, oh, the yeah. shit you got, you know, the shit women have to go through. When, you know, they, they give uh, birth to a child, um, stressful situation at work, you know, the stressful of, of maintaining, uh, creating, building a, a whole family household. Like life is tough. It, it's uh, it's not it's not easy as as one would say it is or, or one can imagine. It doesn't matter if you're if you have money or broke. Either way, it's tough. It's just different, you know, in different forms. But it is tough. Yeah, absolutely. One of my biggest tips is what's one thing you can delegate? So a lot of the times we get really, really overwhelmed. And it could be for, you know, whether it's at work or home or whatever. But is there one thing you can delegate? And if you can't delegate something, can something wait until later? Mm, you know, yes, so like... Yes. For me, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom for the most part. Obviously, I take it as my job to like do most of the housework. My partner helps, but I do take it as my job to do most. There's but there are manager. days when, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm a domestic, domestic engineer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but there are days when I'm like, I don't have the capacity to do all these things, and realistically, most days I don't get all of my to-do list done. But I will try and pick, okay, can the laundry wait until tomorrow? Or can I ask my partner to do dinner? Like, I just literally take that off my plate. I say, you know what? I can't handle thinking about dinner. Can you please plan? Order something or, or make it, yeah. Yeah, do whatever. Like, you know, last night, both of us were like, we just can't. And so we have what we call pizza party. So we order pizza. We put a splat mat like a waterproof mat down in the living room and we just eat pizza. eat pizza on the floor and have a little picnic with our daughter nice nice that's, that's beautiful. so it takes yeah it takes you know the think away from both of us that's but so then it's simple still, so simple yeah it's and like yeah that's we're privileged enough to be able to order takeout but like even if you can't you know can you be okay with having cereal tonight for dinner can you be okay with having like the sandwich? Uh, 
a term that I've never heard in the States, but Aussies, you it's called catch can for dinner. And it's basically you just have like whatever. So everyone probably ends up eating something different. Something might be leftover. Someone might be having like a can of, I don't know, SpaghettiOs, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. So sometimes my partner will say that, like, let's just do catch can for dinner where we just kind of pull whatever out of the fridge and you don't even make a meal. You just end up eating whatever. But there. Yeah. yeah, my tip. Yeah, my tip is always like, can you delegate one thing or can you do one thing less? Because it just, it all gets to be too much. Mm -hmm. And like you said, whether you have money or you don't, it doesn't matter. Like we all get overwhelmed yeah. with stuff sometimes. Yeah. So and, and, and to add on, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be if you're a stay-at-home parent or you're outside of work, it works both ways. You know, I've yeah. been, I, I've been uh, privileged to be both. I've been a stay-at-home dad and I've been a worker and, and I fuck straight uh, through either or. And, you know, even when I was at work, I used to delegate too. Or, you know, some I was very, very famous for not picking up the phone for hours, even even through emergency. If I felt overwhelmed, I had to, like, after I turned, after I, I guess, turned 32, at one point, I just stopped taking, trying to take things so serious. And when I felt overwhelmed or, or like, I feel like I couldn't breathe, like, you know, that feeling that you're like drowning in, in a cup of water, like, yo, I used to shut off the phone. I used to throw it in the back of my seat. I used to come home, you know, turn that motherfucker off, spend time with my family. And, you know, you know, anything, you know, if the next day arisen and it was that crazy and they came for me, you know, I walked away and, mm -hmm. and it, it's, Sometimes you got to stop. You can't, things are not going to happen if you're forced to it. And if it does happen, it's not going to be good. Yeah. We're so connected constantly these days that we're often disconnected. Yes. Like yes. it is it's such, we are constantly, you know, like the notifications going off, social media, all of it, like it's great in a way. I'm a really, really big proponent of, social media because I think you can curate it for good I think mm -hmm. it can be a beneficial thing but there is the downside of people have constant access to you whether it's through messaging calling whatever sometimes like you found out the best thing you can do is just put the phone away I'm not saying you have to have like technology free nights like that works for some people but I know all of us in this household we all use technology to decompress so that's like, you know, not going to be a thing. We might put the phones <laughs> away, but we'll still have the TV on or whatever, yeah, even yeah. if it's just in the background. But like, we need sometimes just to disconnect a little bit to not be so available because it is this constant, you know, oh my God, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. Well, what if you just paused just for a second, just you know, like it's the simplest, silliest little thing, but I, I take our dog for a walk. It's like, we have this through the neighborhood. It's like a 20 minute little route that I go and I just leave my phone at home. Yeah. And yes, sometimes that gives me a little anxiety of like, oh my God, what if daycare calls or what if I need something? But I know I need that time to like, not be looking at TikTok, not be, you know, like all the things just being out in nature like even if it's 10 minutes go sit outside whether you live in the city or rural or whatever just go sit outside 
and look at the sky and take a couple of breaths and just like allow yourself to try and get a little closer to baseline. I agree 100% with it. Um, I want to ask you before we go, um, if you had one word of advice that somebody that feels they they might have these diagnoses but, and they're afraid to just start researching or get diagnosed, what advice would you give them? Ooh, um, so first, you're not alone because so many people feel that. I, for a long, long, long time, felt that. I gaslit myself and said, oh, there's no way I'm these things. Um, and it can be really lonely. So like if you're like me and an overshare, just start talking about it. I, I just started telling people that I would see like, you know, at that time of my life, still is to be honest most people I see are through like mom's groups and I would just say oh you know like I'm ADHD or I'm ADHD one it really quickly weeds out the people that you just kind of don't but it also really quickly finds the people that you're like-minded and you're gonna like jive with so it's always sorry it's always nice to have someone that you can share that with but be your own advocate that's like my biggest to everybody doctors doctors don't know everything <laughs> they try and tell you they do but they don't and if you think about it it's impossible like unless you go to an absolute specialist who you know like my psych has done ADHD research for 30 years I trust he pretty well knows what he's talking about but my GP so here it's like primary care practitioner is just called a general practitioner my gp she has to know a little bit about so many things there's no way she can specialize in adhd yeah. you know or whatever so when i suspected these things i went with a whole list three pages backing myself up because i'm also someone i don't like confrontation i as soon as someone kind of it's not even confrontation like if a doctor's like, no, that's not true. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I don't know. Uh. So I went bolstering myself up going like, I know myself best. I've had this life experience. I know what's going on. Being my own advocate. And so you have to do that because no one else is going to do it for you. And you know your lived experience. Yeah, they might go, oh, you don't appear autistic. You don't appear ADHD. Okay, well, one, you're seeing me for like 20 minutes every couple of months tops yeah but you know your lived experience so be your own advocate keep lists of traits and characteristics and even scenarios of like you know like that like oh my god I've lost my keys five times in the last two weeks <laughs> you know those type of things be be willing to go to bat for yourself or if it's for your kid be willing to go to bat for your yes, kid yes. that's like the only time that i do push back about stuff that's when my like mama bear comes out and mm, yeah if it's something for my kid i'm willing to like go to war with anybody yeah. but you have yeah. to do that for yourself too yeah and another thing you gotta when it comes to these doctors you gotta improve improve your argument because a lot of they want to brush you away and think you're a hypochondriac that you always have something going on now, don't let no one disrespect you improve your argument and 
and uh, improve it so much and where they they have no influence and they have to listen to you yeah yeah absolutely like just go in there with and i'm not saying you have to have a you know 400 page document of <laughs> your experience <laughs> but go in there willing to back yourself because hopefully you have a doctor that's willing to listen my gp when i first went to her was really accepting because i mentioned it in previous appointments but you also have to think maybe they won't be so you have to go in there willing to be like no i'm not leaving until you give me the referral or you listen or whatever the thing is because unfortunately too many doctors are dismissive and on that i say do research to try and find doctors who are neurodivergent affirming there you have it guys uh, before we go tell the people where they can find you at so tiktok and instagram it's the same on both platforms it's sam attempts motherhood all one word um it's me sharing my journey of being an adhd mom trying to figure it all out um and and hopefully if i can get myself together also starting a podcast and a few other educational tools coming up <laughs> Boom. There you have it, guys. Uh, I highly recommend go follow her on TikTok and on Instagram. She's highly educational. Uh, I learned a couple of things about myself just looking on her reels. So go do that. Make sure you go on YouTube, uh, Deal Talk TV, like and subscribe. Go follow me on Instagram, Mr. Dr. Spartan. Come on, guys. <laughs>